Hello everyone, it's a joy to be here and I'm trembling a little bit more after that big introduction, uh, but it's nice to welcome. <laughs> I could see my hand vibrate and shake a little more fast, but uh, at a higher tremor. Uh, but anyway, it's a joy to be here and to welcome both Ananda Village residents, uh, many people who are joining us for this Communing with Om retreat, and also people who are online. And today I want to talk about this topic, We Are Children of the Light, by also addressing deathlessness. Yogananda used to say, breathlessness is deathlessness. And it's one of the core principles of our spiritual path. This is how the yogi becomes immortal and it can be done while we are here in this body. And so I want to read from Whispers something, one of the prayers where Yogananda talks about this. It's called demand to be fed with the cosmic rays. And he mentions the first lines, as you will see, mentions some of the criteria to really be fed or nourished by only the cosmic rays. I entered my temple of silence. Seated with a straight spine, I switched off the dazzling, diverting light of energy, animating my sight, hearing, smell, taste, and touch. I commanded my breath to cease its cleansing work in the body and make no noise. I ordered my heart to suspend its dictatorship over my myriad body cells, forcing them to eat the blood it sends them. I sat still and listened. Then, mother, I heard the soft approach of thy footsteps. Thou didst come, bearing an overflowing chalice of life-sustaining spiritual rays. Sustain me evermore, O Divine Mother, with thy rays of light, life-giving light, the heart, cells, brain, and thoughts of this brain, of this body, thy body, not mine, will waste no longer with decay. Lo, they are now immortal with thy everlasting life. And so here Yogananda mentions stopping the breath and stopping the heart. This is a topic Yogananda talked about so often, he called it practicing death. He used to say, you don't fear sleep because you sleep every night and you have practiced it. And so you can practice death and then death becomes not a surprise, not a stunner as most people can feel it to be. But you just realize it's a dream, this world, a world of duality, that chant which I sang, Life is sweet and death a dream. Joy is sweet, sorrow a dream. Doesn't say death doesn't exist, or sorrow doesn't exist, or ill health doesn't exist. It exists as a dream. In this world of duality, if we think this dream is our reality, it exists for us. If we are awake from this dream as children of the light, it does not. And so I, I remember, because I had heard Yogananda talk about switching this life force off and on from our heart and from our uh, breath, I asked Swami, one of the few questions that I asked Swami Kriyananda while he was in the body, Sir, Yogananda talked about practicing death. What did he mean? And Swamiji was 84 at that time or 85 and he very frail and he's back, you know, he always had to lean on the big chair he sat and he just turned, you know, he did, his body was frail and he very simply said, yes, First the breath stops, then the heart stops. 
You can ask me about these things. And then he moved on to other questions. But the ease with which he said it without any fanfare made me realize, wow, this is something we can all aspire to. And how do we do that? Through Kriya Yoga. And I want to pick up where Jayaji left off last time with his talk where he said the technique of Kriya is complete. It's blessed on every level. And I might refer a few times to this great book, Autobiography of a Yogi, sometimes uh, reading from this book directly or sometimes reading, reading a line or two, which I have here on my sheet of paper. And this is from the chapter on Kriya Yoga, which, you know, maybe after this Sunday service, everybody goes home and reads. It's always nice to re-remind us, well, is re-remind a word? Remind us uh, of all the blessings that can come through scientific repeated practice of this technique. And this is from the chapter on Kriya Yoga. All scriptures declare man not to be a corruptible body, but a living soul. By Kriya, he's given a method to prove the scriptural truth. And so at some point, you know, we don't just want to hear about these things. All right, yeah, I'm not the body, I'm the soul, but you know, here we are in body consciousness. And the key lies, I think, there's many keys, in realizing that there's a reason why scriptures say we are not the body, we are the soul. All scriptures say that, many masters say that. How many masters have instead said, you are not the clothes you wear, you are the soul. No scripture says that because we know it. And how do we know we are not the clothes we wear? Because we can change them, we can get out of them and into them. You know, I know these are not, I am not these robes because I won't be in these robes, I'll be in something else in just a little while. But the body is tricky because we don't know how to get out of it. You know, we are stuck with it, morning, noon and night for whatever the duration of our existence. And so the scriptures have to remind us no, 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 you're not the body, you are the soul. And so the best way to realize that we are not the body is to learn to get out of it now and then by stopping the breath and stopping the heart. Is this possible? Yes, this is why Kriya Yoga, as it says, was given to us so we could prove this to ourselves and all of us, not just to a few supermen or superwomen, or whatever the Wonder Woman, whatever the equivalent is, all of us, because this is a science. It works step by step. And I always draw inspiration when I talk on this topic, as I have sometimes before, uh, from Swami Pranabhananda's passing. Because from that I realized, wow, learning to switch life currents off and on from the five senses is the most practical thing we can learn to do. And before I mention a few of those practical things, I want to read a few excerpts. Swami Pranabhananda in this book uh, was an exalted soul. Yogananda said, one of the few souls who was completely liberated. And he was a disciple of Lahiri Mahashaya, whose photo is right on my right here. And uh, the way he passed, he asked his disciples to, he was in Rishikesh, a town in India, he asked his disciples, well, I want to feed a lot of people, let's make arrangements, because this is my last festive ceremony. And when they had made the food for 2,000 people, he sat and gave an inspired lecture on the infinite. And then here's what he did. He looked at his disciple called Sanandan and says, Sanandan, be prepared. I'm going to kick the frame. 
And Yogananda has a footnote here where kick the frame means give up the body. And of course, the disciple suddenly realized what was happening and he tried to prevent it. And Sanandan said, why? What does it matter? You know, I have served you. I have lived this life as the divine wanted me. Now it's time to go. And so I'm going back to my beloved. And then he says, here I kick the frame by the second Kriya Yoga. And Yogananda has a footnote here. The second Kriya, which corresponds to the higher Kriyas, the third and the fourth in our tradition, as taught by Lahiri Mahashaya, enables the devotee that has mastered it to leave and return to the body consciously at any time. Advanced yogis use the second Kriya technique during the last exit of death, a moment they invariably know beforehand. And so, so coming back to the story, Pranabhananda said, here I kick the frame by the second Kriya Yoga. And then the description goes, he looked, Swami Pranabhananda looked at the sea of faces before him, gave a blessing. Directing his gaze inwardly to the spiritual eye, he became immobile. When the crowd thought he was meditating in an ecstatic state, he had already left the tabernacle of flesh and plunged his soul into the cosmic vastness. The disciples touched his body seated in the lotus posture, but it was no longer warm flesh. Only a stiffened frame remained. The tenant had fled to the immortal shore. And now there's a few things, because I also say I like language. So some of the phraseology always sticks in my mind, you know, and this first example. So I have two or three things here. One, what does Swami Pranabhananda say? He says, be prepared, I'm going to kick the frame. Now, for most of us, you know, the frame kicks us out. The hinges get rusty, the doorknob stops working, you know, knees don't work, uh, memory losses happen, something else stops working, and we don't know what to do about it. It's not that we are body attached. Finally, the frame says we can't take it any longer, get out, and death happens. <laughs> but through the practice of Kriya, we can kick the frame. And why not do that? Why not learn that? If we have the technique, whose sincere practice will allow us to do it. And then the other thing that Pranabhananda's passing says here is, this is in the footnote, advanced yogis use the second Kriya technique during the last exit of death, a moment they invariably know beforehand. Now this is very important also because there's another word that Yogananda uses here, when he says Swami Kriyananda left his body, here's what he says, the disciples touched his body seated in the lotus posture, but it was no longer the warm flesh. Only a stiffened frame remained. The tenant had fled to the immortal shore. Tenant, how many, somehow everybody here has either been a tenant or had a tenant. Now what is one of the best qualities of a good tenant? He knows when the lease will expire. <laughs> hey? Doesn't get caught unaware. He receives the one month notice. The yogis have taken care of every aspect of life. They leave no possibility for delusion to surprise them. This is why the definition of yoga in the Gita is that state where you become immune to grief. Call that state yoga. And so even death, you know, so anyway, coming back here, Yogananda always used to say, when people asked him his age, he would say, uh, well, you are asking the age of my house. I have no age, I'm infinite. 
and I won't tell you the age of my house because the body, he said, is the house. We are tenants, the house in which we live. And it's nice to have these playful ways to create a separation between our sense of I and our body because the body will be taken away. It has a shelf life. It won't last forever. And now is the time to realize we are not this body. We want to take care of it just like we take care of our house but to remember that this is only the house. And I have fun with it, you know. I say, well, I live in an Indian house. I have two friends here who might think they have moved into a new house, but their true house is the body, you know. Dhyan and Shama moved into a neighboring house to me, but the true house remains the same. And when I look at somebody like Atman, who's tall and lean, I say, Atman lives in a skyscraper, <laughs> <You know? laughs> And somebody whom I told this said, Oh yeah, now I know, because this person was going bald. The roofing tiles of my house are falling off, you know? <laughs> so you can have fun this way. And I see Indra Devi here, and she's spearheading this um, uh, campaign for spring cleaning. She says, you know, you accumulate a lot of stuff in your house over the years, and uh, it's time to haul the excess, uh, excess out. And I was looking at my room, and I didn't really have any excess. And so I said, well, what do I do with this? And then I said, ah, the body is the house. And I, I've accumulated some excess here. I'm going to haul it out, spring cleaning. And that's why you see me running sometimes, you know, and it's going well, it's going well. But create this fun sense. You don't get over the fear of death by fearing it but by transcending it. This is what yoga does. This is what yoga helps us with. And so coming back, we are tenants. We want to be able to receive sort of, we know when we are supposed to move on, be completely free. And this as Swami Kriyananda, as Paramahansa Yogananda says here, he says, advanced yogis use the second Kriya technique during the last exit of death, a moment they invariably know beforehand. And I, there's one more thing from this which is the first part of this footnote where uh, Yogananda says, the second Kriya is taught by Lahiri Mahashaya, the third and fourth Kriya for us, enables the devotee that has mastered it to leave and return to the body consciously at any time. Now that is very, very important for one reason. How many have heard the saying, practice makes man perfect? And I sometimes joke, you know, we'll soon have the oratorio here in another few weeks. But they won't just say, okay, let's roughly practice it and come present. They'll do what's called a dress rehearsal because it's such an intricate thing. They'll have everybody come and sit exactly where they sit, come up in line, sing their parts here with the exact mic system that will uh, be uh, on when the oratorio happens. Basically, they'll mimic the live performance at least once, sometimes more times until perfection is achieved. Doesn't it make sense? It would be nice to do that with death also. Such an extraordinary experience that we, haven't, we aren't used to. How many people know what it's like to die? And the, if the first time we do it is when we actually die, we might be worried, we might have jitters, we might not know what to do, but we've done a dress rehearsal a few times. Then we know what it is like. This Swami Pranabhananda, if that was the first time he was going to use the higher Kriya to get rid of his body, he would have flubbed it probably, is my guess. <laughs> but he had mastered it. He had done, he had practiced death, as Yogananda used to say. And so I humorously say also this, that 
By practicing and mastering Kriya Yoga, you master the most difficult yoga posture. And most people think it's the peacock pose or the <laughs> lotus pose and the headstand. No, it's the one we end all our sadhanas with. It's the one that we think is the easiest to perform. Shavasana. Because it translates into corpse pose, not relaxed pose. What are the two criteria for the body to be a corpse? Stop the heart, stop the breath. Can people do that? Very few. But the yogis can do it. And I want to read something Yogananda wrote here. As soon as you think you have to breathe, you are a mortal. You don't know how your mortal condition is perpetuated by this breath for inhalation and exhalation keep you bound to the body. But by Kriya Yoga, you will see that your breath is not flowing anymore. When you're absorbed in the great Om, you will see that you're not breathing. When I lift my eyes up, everything is quiet. I'm always in that super conscious state. By practicing the techniques, I realize that my spirit is super conscious and I'm not a mortal being. That's why it's necessary to get rid of the breath. And you've been given the greatest techniques ever in Hong Saw and Om technique. Doing away with the breath is possible by Kriya Yoga. So practice Kriya and watch the breath as in Hong Saw. Then you will know that you are not made in the image of God. And you don't have to be tied by the cords of oxygen and food. This is also why when we had Inner Renewal Week, Nayaswami Jyotish was saying, by practicing this higher initiation, you learn more than reading all the scriptures. He repeated that a few times, because we gain mastery over death. And this is, this is what separates the exalted yogis from everybody else, or liberated souls from everybody else. I was reading uh, Sometimes Brilliant by Larry Brilliant, and he had a different guru, not a Kriya yogi, Neem Karoli Baba from India. And a few days before his passing, he started telling his disciples, I'm going to break grand jail. And it's like, sir, you are not even imprisoned. How are you going to break jail? You know, grand jail was the big jail there. And sure enough, a couple of days later, he left his body. The jail is the body. And Yogananda used to say, learn to perform a jailbreak. Don't wait for death to drag you out. And by the practice of Kriya, we can invest in these things. These are important things for all of us because one day, we have to have this experience. But when you meet somebody for the first time, he's a stranger. But when you meet him again and again, face to face, face to face, you become good friends. This is what happens with death. In uh, the essence of the Bhagavad Gita, which Swami Kriyananda wrote, he wrote very poignantly about this. This is the eighth chapter. He says, Yogananda stated that the true, true yogi always knows in advance the hour of his death. The yogi who, during his lifetime, important, has practiced withdrawing his energy and consciousness from the body, is able to greet death as an old friend. Permanently released by that transition, he emerges from the body with great joy. This state must be practiced during physical life itself. And Swami gives us a lot of hope but he also says we need to do the work. Every morning getting up and magnetizing the spine. It's such a great joy to practice Kriya. Whether we do it well is, or not doesn't matter. It's scientific, it works. 
just have to give it time and have to, it's not mechanical, but it is mathematical. So we can get there step by step. And then, as you know, this is, I'll, I'm going to move towards the end with a few fun things. Swami Kriya, this Paramahansa Yogananda in Autobiography of a Yogi, the chapter of Kriya Yoga, has another line which I want to read for all of us. Master of his body and mind, the Kriya Yogi ultimately achieves victory over the last enemy, death. So shall thou feed on death that feeds on men. And death once dead, there's no more dying then. That's Shakespeare's sonnet, 146, which is the whole sonnet is worth reading. Very, very inspiring. But how many people here are Harry Potter fans? Can I see a show of hands? How many have read Harry Potter? How many have, oh, well, you might not like Harry Potter, but how many have read it? I know, I've moved from death to Harry Potter. But the, the reason I'm saying this is it's, what's funny for me is, you know, Yogananda says, master of his body and mind, the Kriya Yogi ultimately achieves victory over the last enemy called death. Saint Paul was the person who wrote, who called death the last enemy. In one of his epistles, epistles to, I don't know to whom, he said, the last enemy that shall be conquered is death. And if you remember, that's the line that appears on the grave of Harry's parents, and it's pulled from there. But I sometimes say by practicing Kriya, you can become a true death eater, because it says, so shall thou feed on death that feeds on men, and death once dead, there is no more dying then. But this is the promise of immortality. Swami called his book uh, on, you know, the longer... Uh, writings of the Sunday services. He called it the promise of immortality. That's the promise of the scriptures. And the first line, every time we read it, we say, realize its truth in, that, in your deathless self within. Well, where is that deathless self? Will we just hear about it? When can we experience it? How do we experience it? And Yogananda said, Kriya Yoga was especially sent because the Americans wanted something that will give them the experience, not just the theory. And this is true also for the Indians, but the Indians are happy with the theory as well, you know. <laughs> we like to discuss the scriptures, but the experience is what matters, the experience is what counts, the experience is what we can have. And once we learn this, we can also have fun with life. You know, somebody like you and me, I assume, we are aspiring to learn life force control. Somebody like a Yogananda didn't even have to try. He was born liberated, as he said, he had achieved liberation in a previous life. But in the autobiography of a yogi, he doesn't talk about his own exalted state. But if you read the book his younger brother has left, uh, written called Mejda, you find some snippets there. And this story, which I really enjoy, is uh, when Yogananda was a little boy, as you know, his mother passed away young. It was a heartbreaking moment for him. And so there was a maid servant, old maid servant, who sort of, sort of took on the role of the mother. She took care of all the children. There were many children while Yogananda's father had to go work. And they all looked to her almost as if she, was, she wasn't an employed servant. She was sort of part of the family, you know, and they all looked to her almost as their mother. But Yogananda, being sort of a rambunctious child, uh, what used to happen was, she and he, the Yogananda and this uh, maid servant, would get into conflict again and again. He would do stuff and she would get mad at him. And she would say, this guy is no good. He's naughty. He's mischievous. Oh my God, what an irritant. And then one day Yogananda said, I'm going to have fun. 
as the whole family was seated for having breakfast, he withdrew his life force from his breath and heart and fell over <laughs> onto the table. And everybody was flabbergasted, everybody was shocked and trying to get him to wake. The doctors were summoned, they took the heartbeat, or the pulse and the breath and nothing was working. And of course the maid servant was crying and crying and finally she said, oh Lord, I treated him so badly, he's such a good child, I was, I was so wrong, please give him back to me and I promise I'll never argue with him. As soon as she said that, he woke up. Okay, here I am. <laughs> And of course, she went after him with a broom. <laughs> but, but the point here is the yogis laugh at life. As Yogananda used to say, if I remember right, he said, I laugh at death because I can go anytime. I know eternal life is mine. He used to say, I've practiced death. I can describe it bit by bit because I know what it is to stop the heart and go beyond. And he didn't greedily, selfishly keep this to himself. He's brought these techniques. Saint Paul said, I die daily, in, as you know. He was a big fan of practicing death too, as all liberated souls are. And you and I must do that. There's no other way to overcome maya, except to know we are the soul. And as long as we are forced to be breathing, and our heart has to keep us alive, we gain some knowledge. It's not either or. But we want to get, get completely free. Yogananda said, in this life, become a Jivan Mukta, Nirvikalpa Samadhi, the stepping stone to which is Sabhikalpa Samadhi, where the heart has to stop, the breath has to stop. There is no going around it. So every morning, let's do our best to practice these teachings, these techniques sincerely, diligently, magnetically, longer, deeper, thirsty, with friends, without friends, and deeply think about the highest attainments possible. I know death is a difficult topic, and I don't mean to belittle it. I know physical ailments are hard. And yes, these teachings help even on that level of compassion, empathy, support. But today, because we were talking about we are the children of the light, I said, let me try to pick this up from one of the highest threads possible. Immortality while in the body. And that's what that line from the Christian Bible said about Jesus. None can go unto heaven except he who descended from heaven, even as the Son of Man is in heaven. Yogananda said Christ was always in that state where he realized his true nature was spirit. And the goal of the scriptures is to make us Christ-like. Many blessings and joy to you. you're seeking freedom in a revolution, or oh, if you're seeking freedom, you won't find it there. For once the guns stop blazing, you'll find it amazing how the world can drag on just as before. If you're seeking freedom in a marble When it's sunny, you'll be counting money, keeping up that showcase, your face lined with care. And if you're seeking freedom on a throne of power, oh, if you're seeking freedom, you won't find it there. 
betray you Tents you'll be and waiting for foes everywhere But if you're seeking freedom, Death, there is peace. 
Who camps on the 